Hey everyone, Jason here. I am the My Climate Journey show host. Before we get going, I wanted to take a minute and tell you about the My Climate Journey, or MCJ as we call it, membership option. Membership came to be because there were a bunch of people that were listening to the show that weren't just looking for education, but they were longing for a peer group as well. So we set up a Slack community for those people that's now mushroomed into more than 1,300 members. There is an application to become a member. It's not an exclusive thing. There's four criteria we screen for. Determination to tackle the problem of climate change. Ambition to work on the most impactful solution areas. Optimism that we can make a dent and we're not wasting our time for trying. And a collaborative spirit. Beyond that, the more diversity, the better. There's a bunch of great things that have come out of that community, a number of founding teams that have met in there, a number of nonprofits that have been established, a bunch of hiring that's been done, a bunch of companies that have raised capital in there, a bunch of funds that have gotten limited partners or investors for their funds in there, as well as a bunch of events and programming by members and for members, and some open source projects that are getting actively worked on that hatched in there as well. At any rate, if you want to learn more, you can go to myclimatejourney.co, the website, and click the Become a Member tab at the top. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Jacobs, and welcome to My Climate Journey. This show follows my journey to interview a wide range of guests to better understand and make sense of the formidable problem of climate change and try to figure out how people like you and I can help. Today's guest on the Climate Career Series is Fiona Spruill, Chief Product Officer at Overstory. Overstory's mission is to monitor all of Earth's natural resources in real time in order to help protect those resources and reverse climate change. Their first step is applying machine learning to satellite imagery to track forests and vegetation, helping to reduce the risk of wildfires and power outages. Before joining Overstory, Fiona had an impressive career at the New York Times. Then she was VP of product at Meetup. And when they were acquired by WeWork, she went on to be the Meetup chief operating officer. When she left, she wanted to focus on climate change, but she didn't know how or even how to go about it. In this episode, we talk about Fiona's journey, what made her decide to want to put climate front and center in the next phase of her career how she went about it, what tools and resources she utilized, what she wishes existed that didn't when she was making the transition, why she picked Overstory, and also advice that Fiona may have for anyone else that's looking to follow down a similar path. Fiona, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you. Yeah, and I'm so excited because we we did not do a prep call before the show. And I haven't really talked to you that much since you got this amazing job. And I was going to say amazing new job in climate tech, but it's not so so new anymore. So I'm dying to get the updates as well on how everything's going and the big move to Europe. And yeah. Well, everything's psyched. Yeah, everything's going great. I joined Overstory in September of last year and then moved to Amsterdam from New York at the end of November. And so it's pretty interesting to to move your family. I have two small children in the middle of a global pandemic, but all in all, it's gone really great. And I feel so lucky and fortunate to 
be here and to be working with the Overstory team on a great mission. So typically when we do these episodes, we start with the company and what it does, and then we kind of get into your background and and things like that. I mean, maybe you can give kind of the tagline, but we've done an Overstory episode before, so I don't want to get too deep on the Overstory because the real purpose here is your journey coming from outside of climate tech, looking to work inside of climate tech and how that came about, why that came about, when that came about, what process you followed to figure it out. And then of course, where you landed, how it's going and what advice you have for other people looking to head down a similar path. So all that to say, now I'll ask you, what is Overstory? (laughs) Absolutely. So Overstory's mission is to help solve our climate crisis by providing real-time intelligence about the planet's vegetation. And our first focus is helping utilities reduce the risk of wildfires and power outages. Obviously, those are problems that we're sadly acutely aware of at this moment in time. And we do all of this by applying machine learning models to satellite imagery in order to track changes in forests and vegetation. And so we're monitoring vegetation, for example, across 61 different countries, and we help utilities, you know, make sure that that vegetation isn't interacting with the power lines, which can cause problems. Great. And then as wildfires become more prevalent, essentially the risks are higher if you don't stay on top of that. And so what might have flown a decade ago or three decades ago or whatever now is going to get you in trouble and will we'll get you in worse trouble going forward as the climate continues to become more volatile. Exactly. The vegetation can be more brittle, more prone to fires. Also, the storms are worse. And so we see you know, more problems from that. So it's clear that right now, unfortunately, the problem is getting worse and not better. And so we want to be part of that solution. Now, this is the first company that puts climate front and center that you've ever worked in, correct? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And if I recall, you had an explicit focus where you were looking to put climate front and center in your next chapter. True? Absolutely. Yes. I decided in summer of 2019 that I wanted to focus on climate. I had left Meetup in February of 2019. So maybe talk a bit about what you were doing before and then talk a bit about why and when and how you piece together that you wanted to put climate front and center in your next chapter. Sure. So just a little bit of background. I started my career in journalism at the New York Times, was there for 14 years, and really worked a lot on helping that company transition into its digital future. I ran the what was called the web newsroom back then before the newsrooms were integrated and worked a lot on some of our early mobile products. After I had my first baby, I decided I wanted to make a big change. So that was sort of my first experience with big career shifts. And I embarked on a process of talking to lots of people and ended up at Meetup. I had known Scott Heiferman, the founder and CEO, for a while. and was. Just- I know Scott, by the way. We, I'm sure we talked about this at some point in the past. Yeah. But we did some partnership stuff with Meetup when I was running RunKeeper back in the day. That's cool. He's a wonderful person and dear friend. And so got the opportunity to join Meetup. First was in charge of our international expansion and then moved over to run product for most of my time there with a big focus on making Meetup more of a mobile company. 
Fast forward to we sold the company to WeWork. That was quite a ride. I moved into the COO role post-acquisition, stayed for a year, and then decided it was time to move on and do something else. I didn't know what that something was at the time. I decided to take six months off and just hang out with my kids. I had had my second baby right before we sold the company, and so I wanted to spend some time with them. And it was during that six months that I decided that climate was the thing that I had to focus on. And what led to that decision? Well, you know, I don't have one particular moment or one particular book that I read that I can tell you that there was sort of a light bulb that went off in my head. But I have a background. My dad is a banker turned environmental activist. So I certainly have always cared about the environment for my whole life, but I'd never really considered a career in that area. But I think honestly what it was is I started, you know, I started reading a lot more about our plastics problems and I started trying to live my life in a plastic-free way and I realized how difficult that was and that led me to care a lot more about food waste and composting. And I realized the extent of the problems with food waste. And then I'd sort of, I started looking around me, looking at my friends here. I lived in Park Slope, Brooklyn, which is arguably, you know, one of the most progressive neighborhoods probably in the United States. I have all these friends who are smart, ambitious, would identify probably as progressive Democrats. And yet it didn't feel like anyone was really doing anything differently in their lives or in their careers because of the climate crisis. All of them would tell you that climate change is a problem, but there was a a mismatch in my mind, given what everything I was reading about the extent of the crisis and how little time we have to actually make changes now to have a real a real impact and i just realized that hey i don't want to be old and say to my kids well i wish i had tried more i want to be able to say to them i did everything i can to try to help solve this crisis so once you had that realization what did you do where did you start well In hindsight, I think I approached career shifts sort of like an investigative reporter, and maybe that's my journalism background, but I started just simply by talking to as many people as I could. And I think in the end, I talked to 150 people and I went broad. I, for example, in those first couple months, I remember I went to an all day conference on green roofs at the Javits Center in New York, which, you know, at the, in hindsight was probably a, a little bit narrow and a little bit too specific. But I just started trying to absorb as much as I could. I talked to people in the private sector, the public sector, nonprofit you know, startup founders, investors, just trying to learn and see what I was interested in. And to be honest, I think I probably stayed too broad for too long. And I wish I had narrowed a little bit quicker. And from a timeline standpoint, when was this that you were going through this exercise? I started in September of 2019. 
Okay. And so you were in that broad mode and then how did you start to narrow and where did you start to narrow and why did you start to narrow? Yeah. So I started to narrow in first on food waste. Just food is a personal passion of mine. And that became an area that I was really interested in. Also, because frankly, I think it's it's really accessible for people who don't maybe understand the science behind carbon removal or you know other the more complicated aspects and so i started focusing there i had the opportunity to do a really great consulting project with a cool startup in london called olio which has a very meetup like approach to solving food waste so I went deep there. I started to get really interested in carbon removal, especially some of the natural solutions. So I started meeting with as many people as I could, joined a meetup <laughs> about carbon removal, went to some of the air miners events. So just tried to learn as much as I could in those areas. Uh-huh. And one question I forgot to ask about the broad phase, but who were some of the most valuable people that you talk to or what are some of the most valuable books or news sources that you read or I guess what tips would you have for people that when they're in that broad phase for how to get themselves up to speed? I mean, I'm not just saying this because of the person I'm talking to, but certainly my climate journey was really, really instrumental in educating me and also in giving me sort of tips for other areas to go deeper on. So both, of course, listening to the podcast, but also just staying in the Slack and looking at who was introducing themselves. And then if it was an investor, then going and looking at their portfolio. And, and really just that's a lot of how I learned what was going on and kind of like where there was interesting innovation happening. And then the other source I would say is, which I'm sure you hear from many people, is Project Drawdown, which is just, you know, a great overview, I think, written in a very approachable way and, of course, solutions-oriented, which is really appealing. Do you think that everybody who wants to work on climate should start broad first? Well, actually, one of my biggest pieces of advice is to narrow as quickly as you can, because I think working on climate basically means working on everything. And so I think it can be overwhelming. If you start your journey thinking you, you know, you have to become an expert on solar or something like that, when there are people who've been working for decades in these areas. So I don't think you have to go as broad as I did. You definitely don't have to go to conferences on green roofs. And so, you know, I would recommend narrowing sooner rather than later, but also being okay to pivot. I mean, hey, I told you I was interested in food waste and carbon removal and overstory is not, you know, not really working on either of those. And so it's okay to pivot if something else comes along that piques your interest. Now, when you were going through this process, were you mostly looking at mitigation, so either reducing our emissions footprint or carbon removal or things like that? Or were you also open to the idea that adaptation or resiliency was a meaningful climate solution? 
Absolutely. I think, you know, I was spending more time in mitigation, but adaptation, I think, is an area that's not getting enough attention. And I think it's vitally important. So, you know, I would say that most of my journey in terms of what I read and where I was focusing was more in mitigation. But when I talk to people now, I explicitly tell them, don't shy away from adaptation because that's a critically important area as well. And I think some people sort of think, oh, well, if we just focus on that, we're throwing in the towel on mitigation. And I I really don't believe that. You had mentioned the importance of focus and maybe not staying so broad for so long, but what advice do you have for people in figuring out where they as individuals should focus? Yeah, I think, you know, especially if you're if you're coming from a background that hasn't involved science or, you know, like me, I was coming from journalism and consumer tech software that sometimes there isn't an obvious fit with climate tech, at least initially when you start your journey. And so I think what it's important to do is realize, just keep telling yourself that climate is everything and whatever your strengths are and your interests, you will be able to find a way to apply those, even if you haven't studied physics in two decades or you know whatever it is focus on your strengths and what's interesting to you and your passion and also i think finding a great team i mean it sounds incredibly predictable but ultimately that's the reason i joined overstory is you know i got to know indra and anik and holof the other two co-founders and i just simply really liked them and thought they were good smart people and they were people that i wanted to work with and that's so critically important as well. And what about the process of turning over those rocks? Was that a highly inefficient and fragmented process? Were there any tips or hacks or key learnings you had that either made your process more efficient or that you wish existed that would have? Yeah, I think in terms of actually figuring out what my next job was going to be. I mean, I I spent a little while toying with the idea of whether I wanted to start something myself. And I think coming to a clarity on those kinds of questions about like what it is you're actually after. And once I said to myself, okay, now's not the right moment for me to start something myself. And so therefore I want to join a seed stage climate tech company as a COO or a CPO. Like once I was sort of like bold enough to say that to myself and to other people, I actually started having more meaningful conversations about actual jobs. Before that, it felt a little bit more meandering. Now, was this primarily a solo journey or did you have any type of peer group of sorts that was going through it alongside you? Primarily solo, but and this is a tip I do give other people who are just starting on the journey is that I had very strong friends, for example, the co-founders of Meetup, Scott Heiferman and Brendan McGovern. I met with them on a weekly basis. And even though you know they weren't transitioning into climate tech, 
they knew me really well and they were a great support system for cheering me on. And I had other people like that who I talked to regularly who weren't necessarily, you know, they weren't going into climate, but they were either going through their own career shift. And so I think, you know, finding those people who are in your camp, who are rooting for you as you make the change is really, really important. But it can be lonely. I wish I had someone to do it with. Now, did you go through either the Teradotu training or the On Deck Climate Fellowship or any formal program like that? I didn't. And I, you know, in some ways I regret that. I know some people who are doing the On Deck Climate Fellowship right now, and it seems great. And in some ways I sort of regret that I didn't. I guess there's still time. Yeah. And that's one of the things we've been thinking about, actually, is just, you know, we have the Slack room and it's like the venue and then there's a directory of people and people can do the work themselves to make those connections, which they do all the time through seeing the intros, looking at the directory and contacting people either publicly in one of the channels or privately, which increasingly is the, I think it's the majority of how people interact on there, which like doesn't matter to us as long as the connections are being made. But one of the things we think about is what about if there was some kind of like peer group or mastermind group or kind of like tribe of maybe smaller people that are like your buddies. It could be a pairing system with just one. It could be four or five. I don't know the right number. And, you know, how would we facilitate that? And would we do it ourselves? Would we do it in partnership with one of these great organizations that's emerging that's kind of doing their own more structured program? I don't have answers on any of it. It just seems like something that a lot of members would get value from, which is why I was curious if, you know, if you had it and if you didn't have it, if you missed it. Well, certainly MCJ provided some of that to me in that, you know, if I was having a day of feeling kind of lonely and, oh gosh, like, am I ever going to get to the other side here? Just looking in the Slack and reminding myself that there were other people there who were committed to the cause but didn't exactly know what they were going to do yet was reaffirming. But I think just on the idea that you were proposing, I mean, that's essentially the thesis of Meetup, right? Is that people, want to do things together with other people, whether it is you want to learn a new language or you want to go run together or, you know, you name it. And so I firmly believe that going through a transition like that and learning together is the best way. Now, what about the opportunities that you evaluated? Were these typically jobs that were posted and publicly available or was it just companies that you thought were interesting and then seeing if, you know, if it might make sense to try to create a job or how did you think about that? It was a mix. I'd say most were not jobs that were posted. They were connections, intros, and then, you know, started talking to the person and then kind of co-creating a job together. And so that was a big part of the process. I think there was one job that I explored that actually was a posted job, but most of them weren't, which, you know, can be can make it a little bit more challenging, but in some ways, I mean, that's that's sort of what I'm used to is working with a company to come up with the right role is a lot of the way you get the right jobs. Now, I want to ask this question the right way without any leading answers or anything like that. I, I mostly just want to understand what I think I just heard from you because what I think I heard is that most of the companies you talked to didn't have posted jobs. And I'm wondering, 
why that is. Do you discount posted jobs as a as a right way to search for a job in climate tech? And if so, why? And if not, then why wasn't that a bigger piece of your process? Well, to be totally honest, I mean, I think there are a lot more posted jobs in climate tech in February of 2021 than there were a year ago. You know, there's simply a larger supply. So it wasn't that I was philosophically opposed to posted jobs, but there just there weren't that many of them. Also, there was this you know, minor detail of the global pandemic that, <laughs> that hit in March. And so that made things even more difficult and that there was, you know, at least a few months there where everyone was pretty skittish. And, you know, a lot of companies were trying to close funding rounds and that got delayed and people wanted to see where things were going before they posted, especially senior roles. So I don't philosophically absolutely not opposed to it. I think it just, for the way that my search went, it just happened that most of the conversations that I had were kind of longer term conversations. I think in two cases, the companies were in the process of closing a round of funding and they couldn't hire me anyway until after they closed. So sort of by necessity that it was more of a longer term kind of conversation molding the job together as opposed to a job posted kind of situation. And in situations where there was no job posted, how did you frame what you were seeking from that discussion to the companies that you were either reaching out to or getting introduced to? And what counsel do you have on that front for anyone listening who is seeking to head down a similar path? Well, my main approach was to talk about what I thought I could bring to them. So talk about my experiences at Meetup, to a lesser extent, the New York Times, because that was a while ago. But, you know, just talking about the broad range. I mean, I focused for most of my time on product at Meetup, but I also did a little bit of everything. And so that was mainly my pitch was, here's how I think I can help you. And you know, certainly didn't start by talking about job title or something like that. It's, you know, hey, what do you need? And here's how I think I can help you. And then let's see if this is a match. Uh-huh. And other than the fact that this company puts climate front and center and companies you've worked at in the past didn't as explicitly, functionally, does it feel much different than other companies that you've worked in in the past? Well, it's different for me in the sense that I don't have any background working with utilities or trying to sell software into utilities. I don't have a background working with satellite technology. Certainly at Meetup, we built out a, a strong machine learning team, but my knowledge of machine learning is not super deep. And so for me, there's a personal learning curve there just about what we're actually building. And it's also, I've never worked at an early stage startup. So the, the New York Times, obviously not an early stage startup and Meetup was Series D, 120 people when I joined. So I'd say subject matter and just size and stage of the company is what's different for me, but also super exciting. And that's what I wanted. And given that climate 
and even climate tech, I mean, within climate is so broad. Do you think there's a, like an intro course, for example, that would help anyone that works in climate? Or is it so broad that you would need to teach different stuff to different people and you shouldn't even try to standardize? That's a good question. I mean, I think an intro course is possible, but I think that, you know, you just have to keep it super high level. But yeah, I I think it's absolutely possible. I mean, in the sense that like Project Drawdown is in some ways an intro course and it, you know, covers most of the bases. And so, yeah, I think it's possible, but. And there's more and more people that are looking to make the transition that you have successfully made. I hear from a lot of people that that it's challenging for them, even in a world where there's more jobs that are appearing. It's just, it's intimidating. They don't really know where to start. They don't feel like they have a great bearing on the science. They don't feel like they have that much to bring to the table. Why do you think that is? And what might either they do or what might one do more systematically to make that transition easier for people? I think it is more difficult than it should be. And and I've spent a while, you know, thinking about this and thinking about what role can I play in trying to make it less difficult. I mean, certainly I think the science aspect is intimidating. And so trying to make that less intimidating and also frankly, just stressing the fact that working on climate is such a broad thing that it you don't have to be a scientific expert in order to do that. Understanding that a couple of people said to me in my journey when I was talking to so many people, don't come like work on climate, just go be the COO of another company and run it in a climate-friendly, sustainable way. And so understanding that You don't necessarily need to leave your job in order to have an impact. I mean, I'm really interested in how companies decarbonize. And so there's a lot to be done sort of within non-climate companies because everything is climate. So so I think that's part of what I would say. I mean, I also should acknowledge that I was incredibly fortunate to be able to take a year to figure this out. And that's highly unusual. Most people are not that lucky. So I think being able to spend that amount of time is a real luxury that I had that many others don't. And is there anything in hindsight that you wish existed structurally that could have helped facilitate this transition more effectively for you and or looking forwards, is there anything that you wish someone would build that would help make it easier for people following in your footsteps? Well, certainly just, you know, looking at the On Deck Climate Fellowship. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I don't think it existed a year ago. It's pretty new, right? I mean, On Deck it has not. existed. It did not. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, that's exactly the type of thing that I think would help so many more people, you know, it's all about figuring it out, right? Figuring out where you go next. And so something in that vein, either more things like it or, 
you know, that kind of thing I think is really necessary. And also just that aspect of going through it with another group of people is going to give people that much more confidence and make the journey feel less lonely. And I think if you can make the journey feel less lonely, you're more likely to have people successfully get to the other side of the journey. Great. And is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have or any parting words of advice for listeners? I think the main things, first of all, for people who are considering embarking on this journey and who are maybe you know, a little bit scared by it, I would say it's been remarkably rewarding for me. And also just simply that this is, I truly believe it's the most exciting thing to be working on in tech. It is the issue of our time. And so if you want to be working on something meaningful, like this is it. So come on board. We need as many smart brains as possible. And just the one thing I would say is, continually remind yourself that it's not a straight line and you will get to the other side and you'll figure it out even if there's some fits and starts along the way. And on a related topic, are there any open roles at Overstory? Thank you for asking. There are. We're looking for a front-end engineer, a data scientist, data engineer, and we're also looking for someone in marketing. So reach out if you're interested. And given our earlier discussion about reaching out to companies that maybe don't have posted job descriptions, what types of people might you want to hear from beyond ones that are fit for those specific roles, if any? Oh, absolutely. I'm always interested in talking to people. I mean, certainly give my role, I'm chief product officer. So anyone in the product and design realm, I'm specifically interested in talking to people who want to make a transition into climate or have already made the transition but want a different challenge. I love, love, love talking to people who are interested in product design and climate. Great. Well, Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congrats on making this transition so effectively, both in terms of the area that you work in, but also the physical area that you work in since you've packed up your family and Move them overseas. What an amazing achievement and adventure. I feel very fortunate. And thanks for everything you did to help help make it happen. Oh, I mean, you know, I had a front row seat, but beyond that, I don't know that we did too much. But at any rate, I'm so happy to see that you're on this path, especially since I'm an investor in Overstory as well. And looking forward to much collaboration in the future. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Jason here. Thanks again for joining me on my climate journey. If you'd like to learn more about the journey, you can visit us at myclimatejourney.co. Note that is .co, not .com. Someday we'll get the .com, but right now, .co. You can also find me on Twitter at jjacobs22, where I would encourage you to share your feedback on the episode or suggestions for future guests you'd like to hear. And... Before I let you go, if you enjoyed the show, please share an episode with a friend or consider leaving a review on iTunes. The lawyers made me say that. Thank you. Thank you.